Hey everyone, it's Hannah Bayshuck with Shit You Should Probably Know, the podcast where we actually talk about the shit you're too embarrassed to admit you don't actually know. So today we have Trevor Hawthorne. He's a co-founder and managing partner of Stratum Security, which is a boutique information security consulting firm. And we're going to be talking about online security and protecting yourself in just the online digital space, which I think is ah, so important and scary right now. Like it's such a reality and real thing for me and I know for others. So thanks so much for joining us, Trevor. Yeah, thank you. Glad to be here. So just from like, like 101, protect yourself like for dummies. Like, what is your advice? Like, what should what are you watching? Whether it's your peers, your nieces and nephews, your kid, whatever it is, like what are you seeing kids right now? Or just like millennials and Gen Z like doing that you're like, ah, you should be more careful about that. Sure. So I think that hands down, like the number one thing that everything from you know kids are coming up on online to even my older relatives and friends and, and family is passwords. Um, most of the time when, when people either lose money or more likely that you're going to lose a ton of, of like time trying to recover your social media, trying to get back hold of your email, trying to get a hold of various accounts, it usually comes from password reuse. And so the number, like if I had a quick elevator pitch to tell somebody passwords these days are probably the most frequent way that people are having something compromised. Every single site that you use, every service, even if it's some, you know, you're like, well, who would want to get into my Gap account or who would want to get into my Target online or whatever, my, you know, like Joe's Crab Shack account, whatever, you should really use a password manager. All of those services and everything you use should have a separate password. The reason why I'm focusing so much on this is because we all have that that really bad password that we probably use on a lot of sites. We all know what that is. It's like, this is my crappy password. And the problem is, is that you use it on some crappy website, you use your crappy password, and that website or one of the websites that you have out there will eventually, one of these days, they will get hacked. The attackers are going to get a hold of that crappy password. They then take that username password combination and they do what we call password spray. And they spray that username password across all different accounts, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Google, Apple. Like they just try it everywhere. And eventually they're going to find someplace where you slipped up and use that like crappy password. And so that's what's so important is that your crappy password will ultimately end up coming back to haunt you later on. What about Wi-Fi protected password? You know, when you get on like you're at a restaurant or you're on your flight and they're like, if something happens, we're not liable, blah, blah, blah. When I went through my massive like OCD breakdown, I remember like having this anxiety. I mean, I had some like, I was in my head about this stuff because I had had someone hack me and it was very invasive. And so I was weird about getting on like public Wi-Fi. Like, should we be worried about that? Sure. So I don't really care too much about public Wi-Fi safety. And let me tell you why. Back in the day, you know, maybe 15 years ago, it was pretty, pretty sketchy. For the most part, anytime that you use your phone, your laptop, and all of the services that you use on, on your device, it uses something called SSL. That's Secure Sockets Layer. So when you fire up Facebook, when you fire up your, your, your email, when you connect to your, to your credit card's website... It encrypts the connection between you and the other end. The only indicator that you would receive as a user that somebody was doing something malicious to get in between you and the, and the server is you get some, some, some error pop up. A lot of apps like, like Facebook or Venmo or your banking app, they probably wouldn't error. It would just, it, it, it would just say that it can't connect. 
So for the most part, a lot of the online service providers, people that run all of the services that we interact with on our mobile devices, for the most part, they've done pretty well to make it really tough for you to screw up. Some of the work that I do in my professional job is I attack wireless networks. So it's literally my job to sit down and try to intercept and, and gain access to in an approved legal environment to gain access to somebody's wireless communications. And it, it is pretty difficult to do that without letting the user know that you're doing that. Um, so I wouldn't, I'm, I'm not too concerned about using open hotspots. Um, I will caveat this. If you are in a hostile foreign country, if you're a member of a military, you're doing intelligence work, if you're a celebrity or if you're a high profile person, I think that your, that your threat model changes somewhat. But for most of us that are just, you know, on your flight or you're at Starbucks, the risk is, is pretty low. Yeah. If you think about it for, for an attacker to, to take advantage and really monetize what they're like that type of attack and they would literally have to go to your Starbucks. They would have to sit there, pull off a pretty technologically advanced hack and then gain access to your credit card login. And then they would have to then take that and maybe open up a line of credit or, you know, do a money transfer or something like it, it takes a lot of effort. So I always kind of think about like the level of effort required for the attacker to take advantage of you probably just isn't worth it. They're, they're better off doing big hacks and getting millions of credit cards Versus, you know, sitting on your flight and going after you. Right. And I think, like, we think about this because you see it in the movies these days. You see it, like, you know, that's, like, the new thing is, like, hackers. And who was it? It's anonymous, that that hacking site. I remember that was, like, such a thing. I used to watch all the anonymous stuff. And it's kind of, it's fascinating and also scary at the same time. And I think, like, what makes us feel scared is that hackers have power or they like know the system. Whereas for us, I feel like Google, Apple, I mean, I have nothing to hide. If someone's listening to me on my phone, like, okay, like there's nothing. I feel like I'm not talking about government confidential information, but I do think that that like makes people nervous and hesitant. So from your point of view, like someone who, you know, it's almost like a, a doctor when they have a, they're diagnosed with something, it's like almost like they know too much about the medical stuff. It's like, do you, how do you feel knowing what you know, but then probably having an iPhone or being on the internet and like, are, do you move differently? Are you, are you as nervous as us about they own everything of us when we click on a site and it says, should, do you want to accept the cookies? Like I've accepted every cookie. Like, should I not? Yeah, um, so the cookie that, that the whole reason why we see cookie pop-ups, you know, do you accept cookies is really annoying on like every single website. It's basically because of some European regulations. And so it was a good thought at the time. And the, the Europeans do have some, some good consumer privacy uh, laws. The problem is it's kind of a ham fisted implementation of it. So you now have to click on that, accept cookies. So if you, if you don't accept any cookies, it makes the experience on the website not as great as it used to be. Cookies are just one small technical component of how companies gather data on us. Every time that you scroll on you know, Twitter or X or LinkedIn or threads these days, every, every time you dwell on a video, every time you copy a link to a video and send it to your friend, every time you like something... All of that feeds into an, an, an algorithm. Anytime you look at a certain class of products on, on, a, on an Amazon, if people are close to your house in your demographic and they're, they're looking at similar products, that all feeds into the way that we are tailored our experiences on the internet. 
cookies is just a fraction of that overall machine of all of that data. So the whole cookie thing, I think that there's that there's two different sides to this. The first of all, people generally don't like feeling like they're being sold or like like they're like they're they are being pushed products that have been cleverly positioned that you'll buy them. Like that just feels kind of like, eh, I don't like that. At the same time, I think a lot of people, you'll hear people say, well, I don't want to see products that aren't relevant to me. Well, in order for you to get relevant advertising, you have to collect all of that data. So that's like the kind of consumer side of me is like, I don't want to feel like I'm being tricked. The second side of that is what if one day either a hacker breaks into that corporation and gathers all of that data about my likes, my dislikes, or if the corporation goes evil? Let's say that um, an egotistical billionaire raises $44 billion of cash and buys the business out from under me. He now owns access to all of that information. Could they use that to then, you know, do other things? Yeah, I think that's the scary thing. Or like, like I was, um, you know, having a kid, I go back and forth of like, what do I share like about him on my social media? And like, since he can't control his own social imprint... And then also, like, I was reading this that I found really helpful. Um, Someone wrote, like, keep your personal information personal. Hackers can use social media to figure out passwords, answer those security questions, password resets, all of that. Like, avoid posting things like birthdays, addresses, mother's maiden name. Um, And I thought about that, and I went through, and my sister's done the same thing of, like, taking my son's birthday or birth, like, birth post, like, doing it like maybe a month later, taking the date off, right? If you do want to share that, because I am, I love a shared community, right? I love the connectivity, but it's like also being weary of somebody else's imprint, which is my son's. And also, yeah, it being used wrong. How do you feel about kids being on social media, like parents posting about their kids on social media, just curious from your perspective, not from like a personal, like, I think this, I think that, like from like an actual security point of view, like what, what is your, when you look at that, you're like, oh, are you like, oh shit, like someone's going to AI their face or something. I don't know. Yeah. So I'm like, I have a high schooler, I'm a freshman high schooler and a very new middle schooler. So we're right at the cusp of, you know, the social media question. And so, but you know, they, they grew up when my wife and I were on, we're on Facebook. So, um, from a security standpoint, you're absolutely correct. Anytime that you put something out there, whether it be a birth date or any type of those kind of reco- like password recovery sensitive kind of bits of like information, yeah, that certainly exposes you. The social media uh, platforms, most of them have uh, uh, privacy controls where you can you know, like make things private or only show it to your friends, that type of thing. Um, those are all great until the social media platform changes it without you knowing, or they, you know, redo their product and it changes and it exposes you. Um, or they have some, some technical glitch that, you know, exposes all of your private information. Uh, a lot of the platforms have uh, Facebook years ago had an issue with all, where all of your Facebook messenger chats were available to everybody. So personally, I just don't trust putting anything into those platforms that you wouldn't want exposed later on. Um, okay. Speaking of people knowing too much about you, I, um, I've been told by multiple people, like turn your location services off on your phone. Do you do that? Because the only reason I don't do that now is I like when I take a photo, I was just recently on a trip in Europe and I took all these photos and I have no idea. I can't see the location I took it in. 
But should I be weary of location services? No, I, the only time that I would be wary of location services if, is if you were a highly targeted individual. Like I said, somebody that, you know, is a political activist, a, a public figure, somebody like that. Or if you're, you know, if you have an, an abusive person in your life that may be targeting you, I, you know, I want to have a special caveat for, for folks that are, you know, abuse survivors. Um, so if you have something like that, yeah, I would, that changes things. For most folks, I think lo- that location services are totally fine. Um, like you can't really effectively use Uber if you don't have location services turned on. Um, uh, yeah, so I'm, I don't think that that's that big of an issue. Your phone generally, I mean, you, you kind of tell Apple where you're at always. That's how fine my phone works. That's how the AirTag system works. So location services is just generally on. Now, if I'm trying out some, some new app, my kid tells me, Hey, dad, play this Tetris game w- with me. It's a multiplayer Tetris thing. And I install it and it's like, it wants to know your location. You're like, oh, why does a Tetris game need to know that? So I am choosy, um, but for you know a lot of the more mainstream apps that you just need to have it on anyways, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, and then, okay, speaking of saying like this idea of technology, I don't know, it's almost like kind of what you were talking about with the location services. Like the there are pros and cons to doing all of it. And then as new technology emerges, but so does the technology to be able to attack people, right? It's just like, how much do we live in that mindset? Yeah. And look, I've spent, I've been doing offensive cybersecurity work for 25 years. And so, you know, I like to think I have a pretty good understanding of how the whole system works. So when I am presented with a security decision, you know, I rely on that deep experience. Not everybody can do that because not everybody, you know, has been Mm -hmm. a cybersecurity nerd like I have for my entire life. Um, for the most part, most of the large regulated companies like the Googles and the Apples and the big guys, they've, they generally, uh, I think, work to keep your data secure, not necessarily because they're just altruistic and they're trying to do right by the universe, more so like they don't want the trust to be lost in their platforms. They don't want data to be leaked and that somebody else could then leverage to degrade or, you know, attack them from a competitive standpoint. Um, I will say, though, that a lot of the social media and technology companies, they will only do what's right for the user when they're forced to. This gets back to electing people that you think will hold these guys' feet to the fire to keep our data secure. Otherwise, they won't really do it unless they have a gun to their head. But like you said, I think what's scary is we're talking about cybersecurity. We're talking about Instagram. We're talking about Facebook. We're talking about these social media where most of, I feel like, your information is shared. and they're a business. They don't have your best interests. They're not thinking about your mental health. They're not. They're just not. They're not thinking about that that deep fake that might go... They're thinking about how that deep fake might go viral more than they're thinking about the fact that it might be a deep fake that could potentially skew your decision on a voting matter and change, you know? So I, I also get freaked out. Like There are people who are like... In, well, I don't know. I can't remember what that movie is called where like everything's technology. They're all... Technology is going to take us over. Like, I don't believe in that. Like, I'm like, I have hope for humans. I have hope for our, us as individuals. Like, we will stop it when we need to. But there is the fear that, like, people don't know when to quit. Yeah, um, it's, 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 it's tough because, as you mentioned, they don't necessarily have our best interests in mind. The, the incentives are kind of off. It's more about engagement. And the way that you get in people engaged is by outrage or, or, or a fear. And there are several media companies that excel at those two things, getting people outraged and, and a fearful. 
Um, if you, I mean, sure that if you're in media, I'm sure that you see some social media posts by large accounts that have a ton of, of followers and they'll post something that's a little off brand. And maybe you could kind of say, oh, that, that could be a little offensive. They're doing it for engagement. And there's a lot of that out there. I could do a whole conversation about social media and kind of pick your brain. I think too, when I look at like social media and filters, which I use sometimes, right? But like knowing just kind of, again, like creating a fake um, reality of what we are. And again, a lot of this falls under mental health. I guess my other question would be, once you post something, if you delete it, like there's no such thing as actually deleting it. Like it forever exists. If you delete it from the application and there, you know, and this depends, right? There's deleting, you know, different from email to TikTok, whatever. But yeah, generally when you delete something, it's going to remain somewhere, someplace in either in a backup for their servers or, you know, maybe they, maybe they like soft delete is what sometimes they'll, they'll, they'll call it where they like pull the metadata record out of the visible side of the web interface, but it actually still lives in the backend database. Once again, if that platform ever gets, get, gets hacked and people get hacked every single day, that, that data could ultimately resurface and come back to haunt you. And so it's really just either being disciplined with yourself about not not hitting upload, submit, post on anything you wouldn't want found out later on. If it's sensitive, if it's uh, juicy, call the person, use some other means. But I would not, you know, trust any any of these platforms. What about platforms like Slack or things that are supposed to be more confidential? Like, does that fall under social media? Not social media, but like under, you know, pick up the phone and call. I don't put anything in email. I wouldn't want it to be leaked. Like I'm pretty firm about like if I if something feels confidential, if something feels I pick up the phone and call these people. I'm the same. I don't even put it in text. Like I get weird about that. So it's like, is do other platforms like Slack and other fall under that? Sure. Uh so um Slack basically comes in like two different flavors. Either your employer uses it and they pay for it, and meaning that you're using work resources and all of your chat and files and is going to be accessible by your employer. And that's the way that it goes when you're using your employer's Slack subscription. Um, if you use Slack as a free tool, you know, there's a free tier. Um, yeah, it's the same. Slack, Slack is owned by, by a Salesforce. One day they may get hacked. Um, I know some of the security people there, so hopefully they won't get hacked. Um, but uh, for the most part, yeah, that's just another form of storing data on the internet. Um, you know, you, you were mentioning... Where does all this data go? It goes to data centers. So I live in Ashburn, Virginia, where there's a ton of different data centers. There's data centers in all, all over the country. So it's stored in these large buildings. Um, and it's usually distributed amongst several different data centers all over the country. Um, but one thing I, I do want to go back to that you said, you, you talked about any time that there's some confidential anything, you pick up the phone. That's a great approach. Um, so there's a couple different things there. One, as, as we've talked about ad nauseum here, if, if you save it in your computer or into a cloud service, it is susceptible to hackers. It's susceptible to evil corporations. Yeah, so you got to be kind of pick, pick and choose what you want to store there. Um, the other thing is, if you ever get involved in a legal dispute, either civil, you know, you have a family separation, or look, I've I've been deposed before. I my employer was part of some some uh, some litigation, and I was the CTO at at the company, and we received a subpoena from the other side's counsel. Basically, said we need every single one of Trevor Hawthorne's uh, e- emails for the last five years, and so 
Let me tell you, it sucks being in a lawyer's office and there's several binders of everything you've ever sent sitting across the table from you and the camera's on you and you have a microphone and you're being deposed by the lawyer. And so, yeah, even if you're sending something that's benign, if it could show up in a court of law, and this is not for everybody, but yeah, it's something that I think about is uh, this is going into the permanent record. <laughs> I think about that too. I also think on the flip side, sometimes like put it in email. You want that in writing, you know? So if there's, there's the two sides to that in the sense of I'm like, you have that data stored, Mr. Google. I know you have, like, let me whip the date out. Yeah, like I got the receipts. Date, date stamp it. <laughs> I have receipts. I feel like sometimes too, I'm like, mm, I'm going to put that one in writing. I could call you, but I want that to be on text. Screenshot it, remind you. Oh, remember, you know, September 22nd when we spoke about this, whatever, whatever. So look, this has been so helpful. I could do a whole nother conversation that piggybacks kind of on the start of our talking about social media because it's so fascinating. I talk to a lot of people about it in a more mental health, personal preference way, but hearing from you, it's actually a little bit more reassuring than I expected because there are people who are so glass half full, negative, like your whole information's gone. You're going to like, your whole identity's going to be stolen. We're all going to be AI and blah, 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 blah. And like, yeah, there's a lot of fear mongering. Yeah. I, ch- I try to take a little more, more of a pragmatic approach. Um, not, not everyone, like I said, special carve outs for highly targeted people, but for the most of us that don't have, you know, you're like, I don't know too much going on here. Um, for the most part, you aren't highly targeted. It's going to take somebody like a lot of time and effort to go after just you. Um, you know, I would also say like, if you do a ton of like, I don't know, crypto, if you're a high net worth individual, there's some other things that I would probably do. If you're one of those people, I would call your, 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 um, your cell phone company, and I would put a, a like pin on your account so that if you call and you want to forward your messages or you want to do anything to your account, you have to read a, a special code to the person on the phone for them to make any changes. You should absolutely do that. Um, so that's that's the only other thing that, that I would add there. Well, this was so helpful. I literally expected this to be a pretty like, okay, like A, B, C, D, here we go. This is the advice. And then wow, like you forget, this is our entire life. Like I have a Hannah in the day and then I have like the internet version of me and my online platform. It's a, it's totally strange. Um, I want to talk to you again because I also want to talk about how you feel about the new wave of AI, NFTs, this digital world. I don't know if you have any I, thoughts on it, but I'd love to have another conversation about you with you about the digital world more than just cybersecurity because that is, it's a world I don't live in and I have really no interest in living in it. But that doesn't mean it's not important. It doesn't mean I don't need to be educated on it. It doesn't mean my freaking children won't live in it. So yeah, it's going to be relevant to them. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be relevant. It's going to be relevant to businesses. So anyways, thank you so much for joining us. Um, I really appreciate it. And we will hopefully have you again because you are, this was good info. Oh, wonderful. Thank you so much, Hannah. Per usual, the information shared on this podcast reflects my views or opinions or those of my guests and is presented as a general information only without guaranteeing its completeness. Nothing in this episode is intended to be or shall be construed as a statement of fact or any legal, medical, or other professional advice. Any reference to a specific product or entity is not an endorsement or recommendation unless expressly stated otherwise. 